Hello and welcome to the Grace Avenue Church Podcast. As you listen to this message, I pray that you're built up, encouraged through God's Word, and I pray that His Holy Spirit leads you and guides you in the way that you should go. I pray that He gives you answers for your questions, healing and help for your life. Most importantly, I pray that this Word helps you to become more like Jesus and a greater influence for Him in our church and in your world. Now, let's grow together. Enjoy the message. Grace Avenue Church, I'm excited about today. Uh, we're starting a new series called From Now On. And uh, today is part one. And the title of today's message is I Will Carry the Message. Come on, say this with me. I will carry the message. Okay, so obviously that's a statement. Uh, it's a declaration. And hopefully uh, by the end of this message, uh, it'll be a deeper and a stronger commitment by you to actually carry the message. So uh, this week I counted, I started doing the math. You know when you're, you're getting older, when you start looking back and doing the math of how long you've been doing something. So I was calculating how much time I've actually spent week after week after week preaching. And when I was, you know, with little breaks here and there for different things or whatever, I counted about 17 years total every single week of preaching, sometimes two to three times a week. And I went, wow, <laughs> that's a lot. It's a lot of information, that's a lot of communication, uh, that's a lot of study, and uh, the most exciting part of that is remembering that nobody remembers your sermons. <laughs> they really don't. Uh, there's a stat that shows that by Tuesday, people remember 4% of what you actually said. Like, and I knew that years ago, but I thought, you know, as I get older, I'll at least get people up to the 25% mark. But it's always funny because I'll meet people sometimes, uh, you know, they'll say, hey, hey, that was such a great message. And I was like, oh, thanks. Thank, what, what, which part did you like? And they'll, they'll always go, uh, all of it. It was just all good, right? <laughs> I'll say, hang on, let me get my notes out. I'm like, no, nah, I don't get your notes out. Like, I wanted to know, like, what, what really stuck. And, and so the reality is I think a lot of times it's kind of like the gym, you're going to the gym and you don't see the growth, you don't know the growth, but it's just growing you. It's changing you. It's strengthening you. It's feeding you, right? It's the same with God's word, his message. It gets in and it grows us and changes us and strengthens us. And today, I wanted to get into a passage of scripture. Today, there'll be, there'll be no points, actually. There'll just be this passage of scripture from the Apostle Paul. And I'm praying today that the Holy Spirit really illuminates uh, the passage and that something in you really is awakened more to its importance uh, because I really believe that as Christians we have to stay committed to the message of Jesus. There's a lot of messages that are being preached and it's not uncommon today what was it's the same as it was back in the day when people were preaching all kinds of things and doing it in Jesus name but it was necessarily wasn't for Jesus it was for personal gain. It was for their importance. It was for whatever it was. Jesus said, hey, don't worry about that. You just stick to the message. Stick to preaching the message. And so we're going to be in 2 Corinthians today, chapter 5, verses 15 through 21. Let's jump into it here. He says, and he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, anyone, if anyone is in Christ, a new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. 
All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed us to the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We're going to go through that verse by verse, and I'm just going to try and break this down for us because I really feel like I want to in this season, you know, a lot of the COVID craziness has has settled down, uh, things have shifted, churches have changed, people have changed, schedules have changed, uh, people's priorities have changed, people's values have changed. It's centered a lot of people, and it's scattered a whole lot of other people. And I believe we're centered people today. And I want to center us on what is really, really important about Jesus, about his church, about really what our commitment is in and through all of this. Come on, you got up, you got the kids ready, you had breakfast, you fed the dogs, you did everything. You came here to worship, and, and we're, we're doing this week after week. Okay, but, but let's center it and say, okay, what is all this for? We know what it's about, but really, what is this for? We're going to get into that today. Okay, let's start with verse 15. It says, and he died. Just that alone, and he died. And he died, okay? The death of Jesus was purposeful, and it had purpose, and you were his purpose. You and I were his purpose. We're the reason why he died. And then it says he died for all, okay? That word all is better defined as He died for each individual person. So he died for everybody. He he died for each person individually. Not the collective group of this people or a collective group of that people or collective people in this political affiliation or a particular group of people in this race or particular people in this country. He died for each individual soul and human being that would receive him he died for them individually. Right? He didn't say, okay, well, these people, they've been really good, so I'm going to die for them. Or these people over here, they're never going to get it together, so I'm just going to have some mercy, and I'm just going to die for them too. Okay, but these over here, no. No chance for them, right, because they cheer for the cowboys. Not a chance. Not going there. No, it says he died for each one. Okay, that's how we personalize Jesus. That's how we, we come to understand the sacrifice that he made, okay? And then it goes on to say, he died for all that those who live, anybody alive today? Okay, that's us. Those who live should no longer live for themselves. No longer live for themselves. No longer live for themselves, okay? Now, what is he saying? That whoever is experiencing God's gift of life, Okay, Uh, a line was drawn after the resurrection that whoever received him, whoever received his life, okay, crosses over into this new life. And it's a life where you no longer live for yourself. Now, I pray that that is not like a mind blowing thought for you today. But I guarantee you, for many people in your life, and many people in your neighborhood, and many people in your world, the thought of not living for themselves, okay? 
that, that just doesn't come across their mind to not live for themselves. People generally are living for themselves. We create a bubble. We try and protect everything in that bubble and hope it doesn't pop. And we live for ourselves, right? This is society's way of, of survival and instinct and growth. Like we just live for ourselves, bury our heads, work hard, make as much as you can, try and have some fun along the way, try not to blow it all up, try and keep it as long as you can and make the best of it, right? Okay, yet here... Paul is telling us, those who've come into this new life, we don't live for ourselves anymore. The line was drawn. After that resurrection, when we stepped into that, when we received Jesus, everything changed. We don't live for ourselves as Christians. Okay? But it says, but for him. Should no longer live for themselves, but for him. We live for the one who saved us. Okay? So this verse forces us to kind of look in the mirror and and ask ourselves who and what am I really living for like who and, and what am I really living for and to really think about that and to really ponder that you know requires intentionality okay verse 16 goes so from now on that's where the title of this series came came from from now on okay now whenever you heard hear that phrase from now on that phrase is something that we say when we're making uh, a decisive change in the way things are going to be, right? Some of you deal with uh, corporate policies at work, right? From now on, here's the memo. Everybody does this. From now on, this no longer happens, right? Or maybe you in your house. From now on, nobody drinks out of water bottles anymore because there's 70 of them all over the living room, (laughs) half opened, half drunk, and we're not doing that anymore. Everybody use a cup, amen, right? And, of course, no one in my house claims responsibility for any of these, right? Not mine. It wasn't mine. Not me. Not me. Okay? So that phrase is something from now on. We usually say that when we're saying from now on, no more sugar in my diet. From now on, no more bad food. From now on, exercising three times a week. From now on, no more eating out. We're eating in. From now on, the dogs sleep here, not there. From now on, right? We start saying this phrase to mark a decisive shift or a decisive change in the way things are going to be. So that's what Paul's saying. From now on, okay? We no longer look at people from a worldly point of view. What does he mean by that? It means we don't look at people with these labels, that society assigns them. So we don't look at people based on their achievements. We don't look at people based on their race. We don't look at people based on their political affiliation. Right? The world does. But as Christians, that's not what we do anymore. We see people differently. Okay? We look at them through a spiritual lens. Why? Because a shift happens. And it happened. So we no longer live for ourselves. And from now on, we don't look at people the same. We now look at people as either in Christ or not in Christ. That's the lens that we see through. People are in Christ, or people are not in Christ. People know Jesus, or they don't know Jesus. And then he goes on to say, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. They're a brand new creation. The old has gone. The new is here. Okay, now, if people just grabbed a hold of just that verse alone, I believe so many, so many lives would shift and change internally, externally, 
the way people approach life, if they really saw themselves new in Christ? Why do people struggle with guilt? Why do people struggle with shame? Why do people struggle with such unworthiness about themselves? It's because they don't often see themselves as new. They see themselves as old, doing new things, trying to think new thoughts, but they've not embraced that God has said they are new. And so they wrestle with old, old thoughts, old habits, old shame, old guilt, old frustrations. But Christ says they're new. But to actually embrace that is, is different than just thinking about it and hearing it. Like you can't have a from now on moment in your life with Jesus that takes you into something deeper until you stand on that ground right there, that you are new. You are new in Christ. It's not the 2.0 version of you. It's not the reformatted version of you. Okay? It's not the updated model of you. It's just a brand new you. This is how God regards us. This is why forgiveness is possible. Okay? The old you needed forgiveness, and the new you lives in that forgiveness. Amen? Okay, so he's saying the old is gone, the new has come. If anyone's crossed over from death into life, experience this great exchange of their life for God's life, received this gift of salvation from Jesus and been brought into his kingdom, then they're brand new. What was no longer is and what now is is brand new. Okay, what was no longer is. Like, if you just walked away with that today, I believe some of you, your life would massively shift. What was no longer is. In Christ, what was no longer is. That's the goodness of God, right? We're singing about it. How great is our God? Well, why is he great? Because all things are gone. All things are gone. Now, it's different if you want to go back and pick up old things. If you want to dig through the trash. If you want to resort yourself according to, to your yesterdays. But today, God says you're new. Right? Then he goes on in verse 18. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Okay, what does it mean that he reconciled us to himself? It means a change or exchange took place through Jesus Christ. This, was, this is it. This is Christianity. An exchange, an exchange happened. Your old self for Christ's new self. You come out of the old, out of the old life into the new life, and God exchanges that. God is the one who enacts the transaction. You receive it, but he did it. Are you following me? So he says, God reconciled us, right? Whenever you hear of a couple fighting, are they okay? Oh, they reconciled. They're good. Which means what? There was an exchange there. There was a change. They went from fighting to making up. Uh, everything's good. Like high alert is off now. Okay? With Jesus, he reconciled that gap of sin, that life that we were living. He reconciled that with God through Jesus. So in Christ, we've been made right with God. This is what he's saying. And then he goes, and then he gave us, and this is the whole point of this entire series, this next verse part of this verse. This is why I'm doing this whole series over the next few weeks and why I'm doing this class on Wednesdays, October 9th, I'm sorry, October 12th and 19th for this phrase right here. And he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. 
This is so important to me, and I'll tell you why. Because, again, I started off saying I've been preaching for a long time. And one of the advantages of preaching for a long time is you see people who come and you see people who go. And then you see people come and you see them grow, or you see people come and they stay exactly the same. You learn things about people. Now, if you're a teacher in school and you observe this with a student, you would notice what you'd say something's off if a student's not growing. Right? If you oversee a team and, and someone on your team isn't growing, if someone's not, not accelerating in their growth, you'd have to examine, okay, what, what's the problem here? What's the challenge here? What is this individual facing? What are they dealing with? Why are they not growing? Okay? Same with our bodies, same with health. In the body of Christ in church, we're all supposed to be growing. And we're supposed to move from that mentality of unworthiness into worthiness based on not how good we are, but how good God is. But in doing that, we're supposed to move from that revelation into this next place of the ministry of reconciliation. Because here, Paul is saying, God has given you a ministry. Something's in you and something's on you. And it's a ministry. He gave us this ministry of reconciliation. Okay, now what ministry is that? Okay, that word for ministry is uh, diakonia. And it means a spirit-empowered service guided by faith. It means it's not something that I do in my own strength. It's something the Holy Spirit has done in me and, and empowers me to do. It's not something that I have in my own strength. It's something by God's Holy Spirit that he pours out. But he doesn't just do this with, with pastors or, or maybe people who've gone to Bible college. It's every single Christian who's received his life and is in Christ and received his spirit. They now have this thing called the ministry, which is Spirit-empowered service guided by faith, this ministry of reconciliation. What do we mean by reconciliation? This change or great exchange to see people come to know God. It means you and I are on the same playing field. To see others come to know all those verses we just talked about before, that they're new in Christ, that change can happen. See, one of the most mind-boggling things about God is that God uses us. I mean, he uses us in our frailty, in our failures, in our inconsistencies, in our faithlessness. <laughs> Come on, how many of you in the last year said, I don't even know if there's any hope? <laughs> I don't even know if I want to go on anymore. What's the point? In our faithlessness and in our hopelessness, God still uses us. That's how good God is. That's why when we sing a song like that, that should reflect on God's faithfulness, not our weakness. Because if it wasn't for God, we wouldn't be standing here, right? Are you with me? I told you there was no points today, just verses. We're just going to keep breaking this down. Okay. So let me read the verse 18 and go back into 19. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. Doing what? Not counting people's sins against them. What are people walking around with in church, outside of church, at home? They're counting their own sins against themselves. Yet the message that Christ has reconciled us to 
is the fact that God does not count our sins against us in Christ. Not through my good deeds. I can't go feed people today and help people today and have that earn myself into some goodness with God. No, what got me into a right standing with God was him and his sacrifice reconciling my brokenness, my sin, my stubbornness, my pride, my attitudes, my failures, my ups and downs in life, all of that. What reconciles that is Christ, not me. Which means on my best day, God loves me as much as on my worst day. It means if I got it all right today and I get it all wrong tomorrow, God still loves me the same. Now, it doesn't work like that in our world, in the real world, with humans. Because we like each other and love each other based on what we do for each other. Right? If you borrow my car and I say, sure, man, just fill it up with gas. And then you bring it back on empty, I'm going to be like, come on, man. Like, what, what happened here? And then if you borrow it again, I say, okay, make sure you fill it up with gas this time. Okay, no problem. And then you bring it back and it's on empty. The second time, I'm going to be like, hang on a second. You did this last time. Right? Then the third time, I'm not letting you borrow my truck. Right? Why? Because on Monday morning, I'm getting ready to go somewhere, and I have nowhere to go, and I have to stop because you didn't take care of your end, and we start to disconnect from one another based on what we do and don't do for each other. Right? That, that's how human transactions work. If you love me, then I'll love you. If you like me, then I'll like you. If you're nice to me, then I'll be nice to you. Right? Don't, you. don't you feel like so superior when you're in traffic and you, and you let somebody in in front of you? You're like, come on. I'm a godly man, you know. May God be with you. Right? And then nobody lets you in one day, and you're calling them names. You can't believe how disgusting they are. What's the worth of this human being on this planet? They don't even belong here. God, you could take them now. You could do it, Lord. You wouldn't care, right? Like, we don't like that being done to us, especially when we're like, I'm the guy who lets everybody in. I'm the nice person in traffic, right? We like to declare our own righteousness and stand for what we stand for. And then we expect that from everybody else. And then based on human interactions and transactions, we create a bubble of, of, of people, friends and, and, and uh, acquaintances who are nice to us. And we build up our world with people who treat us nice. God didn't wait for you to treat him nice and to love him before he died for you. Before he reconciled your sin to himself. So that God was reconciled the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. Okay? Not counting people's sins against them. The title of this message is, I will carry the message. What is the message? That right there. That's the message. That in Christ, God does not count people's sins against them. That in Christ, God does not count people's sins against them. That in Christ... God does not count people's sins against them. What are people walking around with sin and shame and guilt about? That their sins are counted against them. But what is the message? That God does not count people's sins against them. That in Christ there's no sin held against them. And so when this is embraced, not just up here in our heads, but at the core of our soul, and that love begins to shape the way we think and, and feel. Like, we stop even coming to church for what we can get 
Because we realize we've, we realize we've already gotten it. Now we come to give offerings, worship, and praise, and generosity, and love, and compassion. Why? Because we're living from a place where we've been reconciled to God. We're not just dragging into church, man, I sure hope the message has something good for me today. I sure hope the message makes me feel this. Okay, well, let's, let's break that apart. What do you want to feel? What more do we need to feel outside of everything's been done? And we have to receive it in order to live it. See, that's the message. This is the good news. This is the message of hope. This is the message of reconciliation. And then he goes, and he has committed or entrusted to us this message of reconciliation. So imagine, you know, again, I let you borrow my truck. I give you my keys. I've entrusted my vehicle to you. Or I, you borrow money. I've entrusted money to you, and you're going to pay it back. Please pay it back. I'm going to give you money. You're going to pay it back. I'm entrusting to you. I'm committing something to you. These are the same words. God has committed, entrusted. A better breakdown of that word is that God has placed in us this message of reconciliation. You know why I think people are so lost even after they've come to know Christ? This is, this is just from years of experience, and this is not to, to lash anybody or make anybody feel anything because God knows I've gone through my ups and downs. But I'm saying when I've gotten lost and when people get lost, it's because they've gotten away from what's really important, the message. This is what it's all about. Like, if I do everything else, but I don't do this, I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do. Like, if I'm telling everybody about everything, but I'm not telling them about this, I'm missing the mark. This is what it's about, this message of reconciliation. So what does that mean? That means that for, for all of us, we, we open our eyes to the world around us. And we see it through a spiritual lens. Because there are people in our world who are not right with God. There are people in our world who are, are not at peace with God. There are people who are semi-interested, okay, walking around with some pseudo-religiosity, but they're wrestling in their soul with their own sense of unworthiness and what their value is and what their worth is in this life and to people. And all of that is based on that worldly point of view that Paul talks about. And so we come to people and we pray for them and we love them and we're there for them, but we see them through a different lens now. We see them through a different lens. You know, every day we get messages, emails, DMs, commercials, advertisements, billboards, text updates, message, 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 messages coming in, right? Constant messages. Messages from the teacher, messages from the school, messages it's time for an oil change, message you need to rotate your tires, message you need to bring your dog into the vet, messages, messages, messages. Everywhere, at all times, we're drowning in messages. And sometimes those messages are drowning out the main message. The main message of Jesus. The main message is that he doesn't count our sins against us. In him. And this is the message that God has entrusted to us. He's committed this to us. He's entrusted this to us. So, so just think about it for a second. While we're praying for God to, to, to give us promotions and advancements and parking spots at the mall and all that good stuff, right? Like when you're, you're praying for, like what is God's ultimate goal for each and every one of us that we would carry this message of reconciliation into every season of life, into every place he gives us territory, 
to every job and to every neighborhood, every place we live, right? In the world, the mentality is just let people be. Your truth is your truth, et cetera, et cetera. But as Christians, we can't see through that lens. We can't reconcile that with the truth of what God asks us to do. That there's this message he's given us. See, the message that Christ doesn't count our sins against us. That in him, we find everything we need. That's the greatest message on the planet. But are we excited about that? Are we, like, are we really because you'll get 100 more messages this week. But will any of them be anywhere on par with this message? This message that not just that God has given to you, this message that God has done for you, but this message that God wants you to carry. Now, how do we do that? We could go through the, the New Testament and talk about all the different gifts and talents and how we're part of the body. And in Ephesians 4, God wants us to grow and mature and become part of a, a, a deeper sense of his body and grow and mature, okay? But at the end of the day, it's all about the message. It's all about the good news. This is what people get away from. This, uh, sometimes I'll be scrolling social media. For some reason... Um, Instagram likes, obviously, to, to shift the algorithms, and they're always trying to send me preachers. I'm like, okay, I'd rather see something like I, that's my whole world. I'd like to see something about music or sports or food or something, you know, like somebody saving a puppy from a river. Like, show me something else, right? <laughs> Come on, don't you feel good when they save the puppy from the river? Like, you're going to bed, and you're like, oh, this is the last video. Like, oh, oh, God, save the puppy, save the puppy. Oh, thank you, Jesus, for people on this world who saved the puppy, right? Come on. But the same way, and then you go to bed like, oh, that's it, right? Thank you. Thank you, God, for people like that. You know, I would have done that too, Lord. Just like I let people in traffic. I'm the guy who would save the puppy. I, I'm so awesome, right? <laughs> what was the point of that? <laughs> Algorithms, thank you. These algorithms will send, and, and a lot of times when they're sending the algorithms, I'll hear the same message coming through on each preacher. It's the same thing he's telling people, what their worth, their value is now, and how they can receive that value from God. And it's almost confusing because I'm thinking, are, are we missing something as God's church? Like, what are we missing that, that every pastor is trying to tell people the same thing, but they're not getting it? They're not getting it. And they're, they're filling life and time with work and money and kids and entertainment and shows and hobbies and all kinds of stuff. But somehow this empty chasm, this, this reservoir has not been filled with this reality and this truth that God is enough. That if we have Jesus, we have everything. Right? On my deathbed, I'm not going to want my hobbies. I'm not going to want uh, a new plate of food. I'm going to want to know I'm right with God. <laughs> That's it. That's it. They say, Daniel, you have less than three months to live? Okay. I, I want to know what's really, really important right now. Not the peripherals. Not, not, not the side dishes. What is the main entree right now? That's what I'm going to be thinking about. Right? So it makes me ask the question to our church, 
have you received the message yourself? Because you can't be a messenger of the message of reconciliation if you haven't received it yourself. Like, we're not just trying to make people feel better. We actually want them to be better. And, and so much of, of even what we look for from God is for us to feel better. But really, the, the goal is for us to be better at who Christ is and know who Christ is. See, there's a peace that comes from knowing God's love that can move us from the value that people assign us to the value that Jesus declares over us through the cross. Because of the cross, that, that says we have value. Right, so, so what does that mean? That means if I'm rejected by people, I'm still loved and accepted by God. Look, on my worst day, get rejected by friends, get rejected by family, get rejected by the job, get rejected by the puppy that I saved from the river. I'm still loved by God. And then it means that if I'm accepted by people, even though it's good, their acceptance can never match the love that Jesus offers. Doesn't even come close. Am I helping you understand some things this morning? What I'm trying to say is there's, there's in, in all of us, there's this never-ending, never-satisfied draw of this world where we think the next thing that we achieve and get is going to fill us and make us happy. And then it doesn't. And then we wonder. We wonder why we feel the way we do. Verse 20 says, We are therefore... Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. Like he's saying, you're the human billboard for this message of reconciliation that is so important to God. This message that God put in you, that he put on you, that he committed to you, that he entrusted to you, you for your kids, you for your grandkids, you for your friends, the shining light, the salt that you are on this earth, you are the human billboard. Like, well, I'm an introvert, Daniel. You're still a billboard. In your introverted ways, <laughs> you still have been entrusted with something so precious. God has placed it on you. He's placed it in you. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. He's saying, this is what our life is supposed to be saying to others. That their sins don't count against them in Christ. And that we'd be those human billboards in that way where it says, we implore you on Christ's behalf. We implore you, be reconciled to God. There's something about our life that should be imploring others to come to God, to reconcile, not just their heart, their hurts, their wounds, their shame, their guilt, their unworthiness, their lack of value in their life. He's saying, we are the ambassadors of that message. That's us. You applied for the job. You got the job. You're in. Now carry the message. But first receive the message. Receive the message in the areas where you don't feel worthy. Receive the message where you don't feel loved. Receive the message for yourself where you still dip into the shame and the guilt from the past, where you still think of yourself in the old way, in the old manner. All right, so, so all Christians can and should be involved in this ministry of reconciliation, right? Some people go, others are sent. Some people teach, others get invited, right? Maybe today you showed up because somebody invited you to church, right? They were hoping you would hear a message that would speak to you, help you, uh, help you understand some things, make sense of some things, okay? They're doing their part. 
Uh, some people teach, right? If you're taught, you can teach others. Some people go. They declare. They proclaim. Others are sent. But all of us have this part to play. And then lastly, it's this, verse 21. God made him who had no sin, that's Jesus, to be sin for us so that in Jesus we might become the righteousness of God. Okay, so Jesus was this sinless perfection. He became the offering for us. And through him we became righteous. We were made right with God. We were reconciled to God. So we have to receive the message in order to declare the message. And then we have to carry the message wherever we go. What, what my hope for Grace Avenue is, is that we embrace this. Embrace this to the core of our being. In fact, maybe listen to this message. Because remember, according to stats, you'll forget most of it by Tuesday. But listen to it again. And say, where in my life am I missing this that he's talking about? Right? Do I get my value from being a good mother, being a good father, being a good husband, being a good boss? Come on, when everything's going wrong around you, and, and your defense against that is to kind of look at, okay, all this is falling apart. What can I control? Okay, uh, I'm good to the dog, good to my kids, taking care of the yard. Like you start adding up the things that you're good at and that you can control. But what happens when all that spins out? What are you left with? What happens when your health spins out? What happens when you emotionally tank? What, what, what happens when you've been pressed and pressed and pressed and pressed and life has come against you, against you and you're running on empty? Like what comes into play is this message that you're a new creation, that you stand firm on this foundation that God loves you. No one can take that away from you. And no one should be able to talk that out of you. And we should walk in that and then we should be people who carry that. See, from now on, from now on, should be a declaration that we make, especially when we've gotten off track. Okay, this went that way, this went sideways. From now on, I will carry the message. From now on, I'll carry the message. From now on, I'm going to keep the first things first. From now on, I'm going to know who I am in Christ. From now on, I'm going to remember Jesus with sinless perfection crucified in my place. From now on, I'm going to live as this ambassador for Christ. From now on, I'm going to be committed to this ministry of reconciliation. From now on. See, ministry for people is something that gets mixed up. People think that ministry is a title or an arrival or branding or social media or a website or a platform. It's actually, what it says, is just spirit-empowered service guided by faith, which means you meet a stranger on the street and the Holy Spirit empowers you to bless that person. It means you're at work and you just reach out to a coworker and just check in on them. Don't hit them over the head with a Bible. We just love them as Christ loved people 
It means that when people are verbally expressing their hopelessness, their worthlessness, we have an answer for that. I'll tell you this last story. Years ago, I was, I was in a rest. In the, I worked in the restaurant business, and there was this one manager. He was just at work. He was just this hard nosed. He's a young guy too. He's probably like mid twenties, late twenties. Just hard nosed, super professional, chopping heads, just keeping everything in line. And he just had this demeanor and this attitude about him where he just carried himself that way. And a lot of people didn't like him. And then we all go out and everybody's at this house and everybody's drinking and everybody's going crazy. And, and he's probably about six or seven drinks in. And we're outside and he's smoking a cigarette. And then he just starts talking to me. I hardly knew him, but he starts just pouring out his worthlessness. Like, here's this super professional guy on the outside. He looks really strong. But when he got six or seven drinks in him, the worthlessness and the, and the lack of value that he felt about himself just poured out of his soul. And he was calling him awesome, himself all kinds of names and referring to his whatever. And it's like I saw the, the, the major difference between what people are working for and what they've received or not received. And as Christians, when, when the pressure's on, what comes out of us? What do we really think about ourselves in the eyes of God? Let's think of ourselves according to the message and then carry that message. Amen? Amen. Come on, let's stand up this morning. Father, we thank you for that message of reconciliation. We thank you for this ministry to see people made right with God, to see people come to peace with God. Lord, we thank you that you've been in our lives such a strength, such a blessing, so faithful. And this morning, God, I ask that as a church, we'd be more committed to the message. The message that our sins aren't counted against us. The message that in you, all things are made new. That in you, there is hope. That in you, forgiveness can be found. That in you is newness, not the old but new. Lord, I pray that we'd receive the message of your good news. I pray that we carry the message of the good news. For some of us, maybe we need to carry it in the mirror first. Look at ourselves, examine our life, ask ourselves, what are we trying to get? What are we shooting for? What are we reaching for? What will make us feel happy? What will make us feel whole? When will we finally get to the place where God is enough? Because life isn't doing it. Achievements aren't doing it. Lord, I pray today for anyone struggling with their own value, wrestling with their own hope, maybe after failure, after loss, after disappointment. Lord, we're some of the harshest judges of our own lives. I pray, God, that today people would learn to forgive themselves. Embrace the truth of who you are. Receive your forgiveness. Receive your life. Today, whatever you're walking through, whatever you came in here with, especially if you're visiting today, for some reason God wanted you to be here today to hear this about you. 
could have preached this message in the last six months, saved it for today. Somebody needed to hear it today. So Lord, heal those who need healing today. Give hope to those who need hope. Restore those who need to be restored. Refresh those who need to be refreshed. In the name of Jesus Christ, let every soul find their value in your sacrifice, in the worth that you place on us. Every mom, every dad, every brother, sister, boss, student, leader, let us not find our value in what we do, what we achieve, but at the end of the day, find it in you. That way when all, if all comes crashing down, when those chips have not fallen into the place that we want them to, Lord, we have something to stand on, something that's true, something that remains. Lord, we don't want to wait till things go south to find out what we're made of, find out what we're standing on. Lord, teach us now. That way when the tests come, God, winds blow the house remains thank you God that you've entrusted us with the message and the ministry of reconciliation Thank you, God, that you trusted normal human beings like us with something so precious to you. Let it work in us first, Lord. Let it work in us. And then let it work through us as you guide us. In Jesus' precious name we pray. I pray that that word blessed you. If you'd like to know more about Grace Avenue Church or want to know more about how to be a part of what God has called us to here in the city of San Antonio, or if you'd like to sow financially into our vision and mission, please visit us online at graceavenuechurch.com. Thanks so much for listening. We hope to see you soon.